Good morning. Hope you're having a fantastic Monday morning thus far. Welcome to the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I uh, hope that you guys are having a fantastic Monday so far. Hope that you guys have had a fantastic weekend in the name of the Lord. And hope that this show is um, able to enrich your uh, morning routine. Um, that we're able to spit some truth and some knowledge to you that will um, edify um, your souls. And will give you um, just a little extra boost along with the caffeine that you may be putting in your coffee cup right now. Uh, we're definitely grateful and excited to be among you guys today and hope that this um, that this morning show is um, able to just continue to help you to move along your way and we can provide some insight into the kingdom that you may not have had before or to just be reminded of something that you've already known about the kingdom and all the things that we uh, should know about it. Um, so we're grateful that God gives us this opportunity to be among you guys today. Uh, we're going to jump into a uh, word of prayer, and then we're going to jump into our first topic of the day. And again, hope that this is um, edifying to your souls. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you for another blessed day in your presence. We're thankful, Lord God, that you thought it not robbery to give us another opportunity to worship you in spirit and truth. We're asking on this day, God, that you just continue to saturate us with your presence, with your love, with your grace. Uh, with your forgiveness, with your patience, with your kindness, with your mercy, with your care. Lord God, we're, uh, we're so thankful for Jesus Christ who died on the cross and rose again that we may have this opportunity to love you and to worship you and to honor you in spirit and truth. We're asking, Lord God, that you just uh, be all throughout this morning show on today, uh, that every word that is said, every question that is asked, every opportunity that's given to speak truth, Lord, that we are able to touch someone's lives on today to remind them that you are God and that you remain on the throne. Challenge us, convict us, comfort us, encourage us, and empower us to do the things that you have called us to do and to walk as the children of God that you have called us to be. Lord God, we're so grateful and so thankful for all that you have done for us, what you're doing and what you're going to do. And ask that you just continue to be with us in a mighty and powerful way and bless us like only you can, strengthen us like only you can, encourage us like only you can. And we'll be so careful to give your name all praise, glory, and honor. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, I was watching this video um, late last week. And the video, uh, I can't remember who was talking. I know it was um, on, on Charlemagne the God's um, uh, show, The Breakfast Club. Um, I can't remember who the people um, were that were talking during the show. Um, but it's this lady who talked, who, who, who said controversial things about relationships once before. And in the conversation, she was basically saying that um, she you know, you know, is, um, you know, wondering why people, you know, are in relationships. It was something dealing with relationships because that's, it really, it doesn't matter that like what she was talking about isn't the point. Um, the, the lady had made a comment on her own show and the woman who was talking to her told her that, you know, she felt triggered by what she had said. And she felt like the way in which she said what she said was so triggering 
that, you know, it made her, you know, not want to listen to the rest of what she had to say. And the lady who made the comment on her own show said that that's part of the problem with us as people, that we get so easily triggered nowadays more so than any other generation by what a person is saying that we don't give them the opportunity to finish their thought before responding or reacting to what a person is saying. We spend so much time, you know, um, picking out little bits and pieces of what a person has said that offends or hurts us or wounds us in some type of way that we don't spend the time to actually sit and listen to an entirety of what someone is saying to hear the entire argument of what a person is putting together before attacking or attaching to something that someone is already that someone is saying in the midst of that conversation the the girl who you know the woman who you know was say who was responding to what the woman had said on her own show was doing exactly what the woman was saying she was trying to interrupt her trying to you know get her word in trying to get her word across trying to make sure that she's heard trying to make sure that you know you hear what I'm trying to say and the lady was like that's what I'm talking about you won't even give me a chance to finish what I'm trying to say now because you're so triggered by two or three little words that you've heard that you're not critically thinking about what it is that I'm actually trying to say and because of that, that's why we have such breakdowns of communication now more so than any other generation because everybody wants to be heard. Everybody wants to have their, you know, have their moment in the sun. Everybody wants to have their opportunity to put their voice out there and they want their voice to be the dominant voice in such a way that you can't disagree with me. That we can't have that we can't have any type of dissension whatsoever. If I'm speaking, you have to agree with everything that I'm saying to you. We can't have discourse. We can't have conversation. We can't have communication. It's I'm sitting in my chair and you're listening to me and I'm the arbiter of all truth. And whatever I say goes. And if I'm being triggered, you have to acknowledge that you're triggering me and you have to apologize for triggering me and apologize for what you said and take back what you said and agree with what I'm saying. Far... And again, I don't know whether this is just an us thing or whether it's something that's happened down throughout the generations, but more so than in any other generation that I, as far as I can tell, we have forgotten what it means to actually have genuine, thoughtful, meaningful communication with each other. We have forgotten what it feels like to what it means to actually sit and have real communication, real dialogue with somebody. Nowadays, that's thrown out the window. It seems that we've lost the ability to be able to say, I don't think like you think. I don't feel like you feel. But let's come to the table and have a discussion about that. Instead, when someone says a word or says a phrase or says something that triggers us, we go straight to attack mode. We go straight into defense mode. We go straight into defending turf, straight into, you know, I'm going to make sure that I clamp down on you as hard as I can, and I'm going to call you out. 
I'm not going to have a conversation with you. I'm not going to try to, you know, have discourse with you. I'm not going to talk about why this thing frustrates me. Instead, I'm going to go straight into attack mode. I'm listening to um, uh, The Basement with Tim Ross, and he said that one of the biggest challenges that he had to face entering into the space of um of um uh, of podcasting is the fact that there are people who are going to take what he says like 30 seconds of what he says and they're going to create whole reaction videos over the thing that he said and that and then they're never going to come to talk to him about what he said they're never going to look at the entirety of what he was talking about and address the, the entirety of what was said they're going to make their clip in an attempt to ensure that they get the likes up, that they get the that they get their um monetization up and everything else in between. And as a result, we tend to in the kingdom. I'm not talking about people on the outside. I'm talking about people in the kingdom. We are creating more division among our brothers and sisters than we've ever seen before. Where Again, if one person says one wrong thing that goes against what I believe is the truth about Jesus and all that he's done for us, I'm going on the attack. I'm going on the offensive. I don't want to have a conversation with my brother or my sister or to sit back and 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 analyze in a in a more thoughtful or critical way what it is being said and what it may mean for the kingdom. Instead, because he said this one or two trigger word, oh no, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta attack that. That ain't right. That ain't cool. That ain't, I, I can't believe that a preacher or a pastor or whatever would say something like that. The biggest example of that now is, um, when Tim Ross was at a church and he preached about, you know, um, you know, Jesus dying on the cross and he said that Jesus is the only stripper that he's in love with talking about the fact that he was wounded for our transgressions and by his stripes we are healed we are healed he was stripped he was stripped of his clothing you know with all the whips and chains and people got so upset so upset I'm like oh my god he called Jesus a stripper oh no you know that's that see that's what happens when you take the you take the word and you just take it too far oh no never mind the fact that it's not like it's it's, it's not like it's not true he was literally stripped of his of his clothing, stripped of his garments, whipped and beaten and bruised. The man literally, Jesus was literally stripped of everything. And when you're trying to preach truth to culture, when the culture is all they all they listen to is songs like "I'm in love with a stripper," you know, you're trying to reach them by helping them see you 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 you're in love with all this stuff that the culture is telling you to be in love with. But we're telling you to be in love with the only stripper that matters, which is Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying that he went out there and gyrated and all that, but people have enough sense to be able to put together what it is that the man is saying. But again, because we get so caught up in the trigger words, oh no, I can't believe you would call Jesus a stripper. That's blasphemous. It's like, bruh, did you not listen to the whole sermon? Did you not even listen to the the, 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 the the five minutes that he would in which he put that reference in to get the context behind what he was saying? 
but we get so easily triggered, so easily hurt by two little words or two little sentences that we don't look at the, the entirety of what someone has said. There are people who have lost whole jobs, whole careers over a word or a phrase without looking at the context in which the thing was said. Now, am I saying that every word that a person says should be analyzed? You know, there might be some words that, you know, you sh probably should not be saying altogether, but are you looking at the context in which a person saying before you hit and print, before you hit and send, before you hit and publish? You know, a lot of us, a lot of times, don't take the time to actually look and see, well, let me go check it for myself and see what he said. Let me let me go let me go look at the let me go look at the whole sermon and see what he was talking about. Is, is he talking about we as Christians need to start stripping for, for, for Jesus? Is that what he was talking about when he said Jesus is a stripper? And you and you and already know, no, that ain't what the man was talking about. He ain't he's he, no, he's not that dude. But again, you know, are we so are we gonna look at the context? No, we're gonna take the clickbait and see, oh my god, I can't believe he said Jesus was a stripper. And now we're crucifying the man, crucifying people over a sentence when we're not looking at the context in which they said what they said. And for a lot of us, we're in this digital age now where we're looking at sound bites and clips and allowing those things to trigger us so badly that we're dividing ourselves. We're, di we're divided among our own Christian brothers and sisters nowadays like we don't have connection like we used to because we're so easily triggered by what someone says or what someone does and we've lost the ability to do what scripture tells us in the word it says if we have an ought against our brother we are to go to him and him alone as it says in Matthew chapter 18 Starting at verse 15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. That's Jesus talking. Red lettered. That's Jesus talking. That's not some prescription that came from somewhere. That's Jesus talking to us right there. If you have an ought against your brother, if your brother sins against you, if your brother says something to you that you find kind of off-putting, you're to go to him and him alone and talk about the issue, not you going to hear me because you triggered me, but to talk and have communication, seek understanding, and not to be right at the expense of of the relationship for it says if he listens to you you have gained your brother see the thing about reconciliation that see the th there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation forgiveness says that i'm going to absorb the pain that you've caused me the hurt that you've caused me in whatever way shape or form you've hurt me i'm going to absorb that i'm forgiving you of what you've done even if you don't ask for an apology, even if you don't ask for, you know, ask for the forgiveness, I'm giving it to you. And that is birthed from the fact that Christ forgave us. For he says to us in um, 
in verse 35 of the same chapter 18. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. That's a heart thing. And as Christ has forgiven us, so we also forgive. Reconciliation comes in, though, and says we're trying to restore relationship. And in restoring relationship, we got to do a little bit, a little more work. Now, it also says in scripture that we are to be peaceful amongst all people as much as we can help it to live peaceably. There are some people who you're just not going to be able to restore a relationship with. And that's okay. But you got to at least give it an attempt is what the scripture says here. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Reconciliation says, I'm not seeking to defend my turf. I'm seeking to understand what happened here. Where did things go wrong? Where did things fall apart? What caused you to say what you said? You know, what's going on in me that I'm so easily triggered by the things that you said or the things that are going on? A lot of times, it's easier for us to be triggered by somebody and to sit in said trigger when there's no pro when there's very little proximity. The further a person is away from us, the easier it is for us to sit, to sit in our to sit in our trigger. So for the lady that was on the ladies that were on TV, chances are their relationship is as far as the lady who came on the show being a guest of the of the lady who was triggered. And I keep wanting to call a girl, but she is not a girl. She's a woman. The lady who was triggered by what by what the other lady on her own show said. Because they don't have a relationship with each other, it's easy for them to be on TV and to argue amongst one another because there's no proximity. There's no closeness. There's no connection. There's no relationship. All there is is, this is a guest on my show. She triggered me. I'm going to tell her that she triggered me, and I want her to and I want her to take back what she said. That's all. That's all. That's, that's, that's the extent to which a lot of us, when we're in this social media game, we, we, we recognize as far as the triggers are concerned. So the closer that a person is to us, the more we desire to fix said relationship, to reconcile said relationship, to get an understanding as to what happened. As brothers and sisters in Christ, the connection that we have to one another should be Jesus. And because Jesus has brought us into the family, Despite how far away we are, we are among one another, there should still be a familial connection that we have to one another in such that I shouldn't be so easily triggered by what a person says to the point where I'm ready to go ham on that person. That patience, that meekness, that self-control, that should be ruling and residing and actively working inside of us to where if someone who we don't know from Adam is triggering us, we ought to have enough patience and kindness and forgiveness within us to seek for understanding rather than standing on our, um, on our platforms and beating people up. 
A lot of us nowadays in the social media game especially are using these platforms as a means of trying to build our own kingdoms. And I'm sort of hypocritical in that, you know. I too have done the reaction videos and had to backtrack and retract a big, you know, a whole bunch of stuff that I've said because, you know, I'm, I'm on here on this platform and praying nobody ever does that to me, even though I'm pretty sure it's going to happen at some point. And so I wouldn't want anybody to do that to me, so why then would I do it to somebody else? And so I've been there, you know, made a reaction video over something that somebody said rather than praying for that person like God like God prescribes us to. Pray for the person, hope for hope that they have revelation because they're only they're only preaching what they feel like they know or saying what they feel like they know at the time, and hopefully God will open their eyes to see, you know, try to um Try to reach out to them and have a conversation with them. As a matter of fact, in my journey of getting prepared for this platform and getting ready for this show, there was a guy that that I was on um I was on uh, Facebook and I had commented about um you know us being the remnant um of of uh the being the remnant that is ready to you know ready to you know. Uh, go forth and preach the gospel, the unadulterated gospel, and share word and truth with with with, with one another. And this dude came in and was like, "You're not a part of the remnant." And I was like, "What are you talking about? I don't quite understand." And we were going back and forth, back and forth. And I said, "No, you know what? No, what we what I don't want to do is to go back and forth on social media because this is how this is how it starts. We go back and forth, back and forth, and you know we're we're defending turf. We're defending. We're defending." So if you want to talk to me, let's talk one on one and got into got into the DMs and eventually got each other's phone numbers. And we sat down via phone, but we sat down and we talked to each other and he explained to me his position and helped me to understand where he was coming from when it came to me saying I'm a part of the remnant. And he's like, no, no, you're not. He was able to explain to me what was going on. That caused him to feel the way that he felt. And it turned into one of the best conversations I've ever had with somebody who was sitting opposite of me. Uh, on, on an issue. Because instead of trying to win the argument. I sought to understand. And he sought to understand. And we were able to disagree agreeably. And in doing so. Gain gain um brotherhood amongst one another. Now I don't I don't think we've talked ever since. I, I probably need to reach out to him just to tell him that I'm thinking about him. But we had but I don't think we've really talked ever since. But I didn't leave that conversation angry. He didn't leave that conversation angry. We understood each other's positions and we loved each other. We prayed for one another and we moved on. That is what Scripture tells us we're supposed to do. If your brother sins against you, you go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. We grandstand on these platforms. We grandstand in our reaction videos. We grandstand when it comes to the things that we see and we're trying to build our platforms and build a following. We, we do a lot of grandstanding. We don't, as, I'm talking to believers now. I'm not talking to the unbelievers. Unbelievers, you know, they're going to do what they do. But I'm talking about us believers. We have the prescription right here, as, as in Jesus' own words, go to him and him alone, and yet we'll go to everybody else. We'll talk to everybody else. We'll make videos and let everybody else see it. But we won't 
cons we won't consult the source. We won't talk to the source. We'll hope that the source will see it, especially if it's somebody famous. I hope they see this. But we won't talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. We won't get in the DMs. We won't try to have communication. We won't try to have conversation. Because to do that may then cost us viewership. May cost us following. May cost us, you know, monetization. And so I'm saying all that to say to us today that we, the believers, we have to stop operating in the flesh. We shouldn't be so easily triggered by things that people say that our skin needs to be a little bit a little thicker when it comes to the things that people say you know there have been people who have been on this platform alone and i'm sure they're going to show up at some point if they haven't already today who are constantly saying things about our faith saying you know you're following someone you're following someone who condones slavery you're following somebody who condones, you know, acts, uh, very terrible acts against women and against children. You know, if God was so great, why would he allow this? And, you know, you're, you're, you're preaching the white man's religion. And they throw barbs constantly, time and time and time again. And like I told you, you know, I'm, I'm not perfect. It, it used to be that stuff would bother me. And I'd be like, no, you're wrong because of this. And no, you're wrong because of that. But I had to learn, I had to learn by the power of God, by the Holy Spirit living inside of me to be patient, especially with unbelievers, because why am I going to get into an argument with an unbeliever at this point? An unbeliever has made it clear they don't believe in God, they don't want to believe in God, they don't want anything to do with God, so why am I going to get in an argument with an unbeliever? They don't want to believe. But um, if it's a believer that I'm getting into a squabble with, I'm for sure gotta be sure that i'm not operating in the flesh because we regard ourselves no longer according to the flesh second corinthians chapter five y'all know i go there just about every time we come on live at this point so might as well make that like our, our, our mission statement at this point but he tells us in second corinthians chapter five verse 16 from now on therefore we regard no one according to the flesh even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So I can't get caught up in my emotions when it comes to someone, you know, hurting my feelings or doing something that I feel like maybe triggering in some type of way. I got to check that. I got to check to see, is that the spirit being grieved? Or is that my emotions being grieved? Like, and if it is my emotions getting grieved, can I seek it out to get a better understanding of what's going on there to see whether or not there's something that I need to have addressed among this person and this person alone? Not the masses. Not 50,000 people. Not my following of 40-some hundred folk. Like, can I go to, should I, should I go to, should I go? Yes. Will I go to this person and this person alone and tell them what, they, what they've done and how it hurt me, how it bothered me, how it grieved me, not so that they can apologize to me, but because we need to understand where it's coming from. And if an apology is warranted, so be it. 
but that I'm not going in there looking for somebody to say, and you need to apologize to me for what you did. No. Let's seek to understand what's going on, because maybe an apology isn't necessary. I just need further clarity and understanding of what's going on in that space. And maybe I need to let go of my issues, let go of my emotions, and actually hear what a person is saying. I say this often. Uh, 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 say this often. Our tendency is to shut off our ability to think and our ability to to, to empathize with others because we because we feel so strongly that we're right. We we want so badly to be the right ones that we don't hear what the other person is saying to us. We can get stuck in what we're thinking and how we're feeling so strongly that we miss what the other person is telling us or what they have to say because we're stuck. We're just stuck. And especially if they're right. We don't want to be told that we're wrong. We don't want it to be known that we're wrong. We don't want it to be known that, yeah, that, 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 there, yep, you're right about that. Yep, you are right about that. You're 100% in the right about that. And as a result, we won't entertain the conversation. We don't want to be told no. We don't want to be told that we're wrong. We don't want to be told that, you know, we, that we, that we heard it differently. Instead, we want so badly to be right that we'll sit on our thrones and we'll fight among ourselves in an attempt to sit on the throne and be right. We risk and ruin relationships with people over being right. We miss opportunities to see God flourish in our connections with one another because we want to be right. Yes, there is a way that sometimes in being right, it will cost us friendships and relationships without question. But there is a way to be right and a way to regain relationship, to reconcile. And sometimes it requires us to sit down and actually talk about what's going on and accept that maybe what they were saying was 100% right, but we allowed the flesh, we allowed the flesh to overtake our souls. We regard no one according to the flesh. We are thus regarded no longer. We, the believers in God, have to remember that if someone says something or does something that makes us feel some type of way, we shouldn't back up. We should lean in. Seek clarity. Seek understanding. Seek to figure out what's going on. I was talking to a client of mine. Um, I think it was either Friday or Saturday. Um, and was telling and she and I was telling her that far to, I think the reason that you and your boyfriend have such issues is because you hear certain words and phrases that he says. And then mind you, this is if you and him are in a good relationship and that you understand your partner, you're hearing those certain words and phrases and you just stop thinking. You see red. 
And so he can't finish his thought because you're ready to poke a hole in that very thing that he said rather than letting him finish. Rather than letting him get his thought out. Rather than letting him actually explain what's going on with him. And so if you know how your partner thinks and you know how your partner feels, then maybe if you give him a chance to actually explain himself all the way through and don't jump on the first thing that he says that bothers you, then maybe y'all's communication can actually be a whole lot better. Maybe if you feed back to him what you what he said to you and allow him to clean up whatever you heard, then maybe y'all can have better communication. But if you jump down his throat by something that triggered you, rather than sitting with your trigger long enough to hear what or the totality of what he's saying, then maybe you can see it ain't him. It's you. That is not him and what he's saying. It's you and what you're picking out. Because a lot for a lot of us, that's what we do. With pastors, with preachers, with our friends, with our loved ones, we don't listen to them anymore. We're just listen, listen, trigger, and now we're stuck. And that's not how God would prescribe us as the believers in God to treat others. That we are to listen intently as we're talking and communicating with one another and to not be quarrelsome with one another, to not get into dissensions with one another, but to seek reconciliation and to seek, you know, to 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 have harmony among one another, to live peaceably among all. Again, it's not saying that we're to be a doormat and religious people walk all over us all day long, but that we are to actually sit with our brothers and sisters and actually have real meaningful dialogue amongst one another in such a way to where we're able to be at peace with one another rather than creating conflict that doesn't need to be because we're so triggered that we can't hear what anybody is saying because we just want so badly to be right. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for the thousand likes that we've received thus far. Somebody was getting really happy on the likes, and I really do appreciate that. Right now, I'm going to jump into some of these comments and see what you guys got going on in the comment box today. Uh, give me a few minutes to start typing things up because I want to make sure that everybody who has a question... Um, you know, is given an opportunity to um, to be uh, to be answered today. Uh, Love Robbie says, "God bless, God bless you as well." Hope that you're still on the live with us. Um, had a lot of people to join today. Really do appreciate y'all for coming on. Thank you for the likes that's being received. Thank you so much. Um, let's see. Um, all right, going further down into it. That's why the Holy Spirit is the Father in the flesh of Jesus, the Son on the earth. He is the invisible. Yes, he is. Hallelujah. That's Colossians right there, baby. Woo. 
Let's see. All right. It's got something right there. How can God pray to another God um, who prays with their head to the ground? Is it oh, okay to be a fitness influencer? in the Lord's eyes? That's a good question. See, are we, are, see, are you scared of death? Can anyone stop God from destroying Jesus if he decides to? Uh, God said, keep my name holy. Make sure you got get up out of here. <clears throat> awesome, awesome. Gotcha, girl said. You know, I just want to share that I'm seeing God answer multiple prayers recently. Our God is good. Hallelujah, man. I'm I'm, I'm grateful for that. God is answering prayers on my end, too. Um, and, I'm, and I'm definitely the proof of that. So I'm definitely grateful. Definitely grateful um, that God is good. Let's see. Awesome sauce. All right. Okay. Oh, give me one second to finish this up. All right. Thank you guys so much for again for the comments that you put in the comment box thus far. Continue to keep those questions and comments coming. Um, again, thank you for the 1,100 likes that we've received thus far. Any gifts that you do give will go straight to the True Gospel Ministry. As always, as my disclaimer, I do not um, take any money from anybody. Um, I got my own job, pay my own bills, make my own money. So I don't, I don't, I'm not on here trying to get your money in any way, shape, or form. It all goes straight toward keeping the website and the subscriptions up so that way we can keep this content coming to you guys uh, we are also on spotify and as soon as apple gives me the word we'll be on apple podcast as well and so um if you miss any part of this show you can go to our uh, podcast uh which is a full replay of this show um and all this episode and past episodes are on spotify right now and you can, again, find them on iTunes uh, within the next, hopefully by the end of this week. Uh, so we're waiting to see if we get that approval. And once we do, then we'll be on um, Apple Podcast as well. Um, one of the things that we wanted to talk about today um, is um, this idea of losing salvation coming out of 2 Peter chapter 2, uh, verses 20 and 22. So we're going to turn there real quickly and see what's going on there. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 through 22. So, 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 through 22 say, 
For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them to have never known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb has, says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. Alright, so in order to understand this, we need to go back to the beginning of chapter 2. Because in order to understand what he's saying at the end of chapter 2, we need to understand what he's talking about. And so, I ain't got no, I, ain't, I got time and I ain't going nowhere. So we're going to read the entirety of 2 Peter chapter 2. False prophets are uh, also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow them, many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was, tor he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly man from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise, and despise authority. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But, like, but these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction, suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions, while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed. Accursed children, forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh, 
those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them to have never known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment to deliver to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The, do the dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to, to, to wallow in the mire. So, what this is talking about is false prophets and teachers. And what happens when people who genuinely want to love the Lord are being deceived by false prophets and teachers. This is not... A, de a declaration of losing salvation. This is a declaration of being deceived by false prophets and teachers. Paul said this in um, Galatians chapter um, Galatians chapter one. Galatians chapter one, starting at verse six. I'm astonished that you so quickly are deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one contrary to the one you pre you received let him be accursed somebody at the door okay, guess not thought I heard somebody knocking on the door um so let me say it again as we have said before so now I say again if anyone pre is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Oh man, did I lose my place? I lost my place. Give me a second. Oh, okay, there it is. Okay, I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 24. Yes, chapter 24. Verse number 23. If anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I, I being Jesus, have told you beforehand. So if they say to you, look, he's in the wilderness. Do not go out. If they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. So, what Peter is saying in chapter 2 of his, of his second letter is that 
false prophets and false teachers are coming. And they're going to come and they're going to sound really good. Going to sound like they make a whole lot of sense. They're going to give us a lot of truth. And it's going to be so goosebump producing. And it's going to make us feel so great. And it's going to cause us to, you know, fall out and have these great moments in God. That at least we think we're having in God. But they are, they are appeasing to the senses sensuality they're appeasing to the senses and those of us who have a walk with god when we hear these words and we hear these phrases and we hear these sermons and we hear these teachings that are appeasing to the flesh if we're not careful we will fall back into darkness and what's scary about that is that we won't even know it we won't even know it because we will have been deceived by false prophets and false teachers. And it would be so much better if we just never knew Jesus at all. Than to know him, than be deceived away from him. That is what 20 through 22 is talking about. That false prophets and false teachers are going to be out there. And it's in shame on them for taking the word of God and twisting it in such a way to where people can't tell the difference between God and the devil, God in our senses, God in sensuality. There's nowadays people who are so convinced that we can have Jesus and sage, Jesus and crystals, Jesus and chakras, Jesus and the tenets of yoga, not just the exercise itself, but the tenets of yoga. Like there are people who think we can have Jesus and the zodiac. And, you know, and I got to tell them myself too, Jesus and the Enneagram. Jesus and the INFJ. Like, there are people who staunchly believe in that, right? And we've been deceived into believing it so much so that we can't even tell we're being deceived. Because I still got Jesus, but Jesus is not the uppermost of our affections. There's somebody equal to him, and he will have no equal. You shall have no other gods before me. I am the uppermost of affections and attention and allegiance. There is no God and. It's either God or everything else. There is, there is no mixing or mingling of the two. But nowadays you have people who are preaching false doctrines that say you can have Jesus and your sage. You can have Jesus and your chakras because it's all spirituality. Not according to our script. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way. There is no other way. There is no, you can have me and. There is no gospel plus. Peter, Paul said it. There is no other gospel. There is no other good news. There's only one good news, and that good news is Jesus. And if we're depending on, relying on, leaning on, going toward anything other than Christ, then it would be better if we didn't know Christ at all. Because to know him and then turn away from him, that, 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 that's, that's not, <clears throat> it would have been better for them to have never known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. And again, it's not to say that salvation has been lost, because just like the prodigal son, the prodigal son was never not the son, was never not a son. 
Like, he's always a son to the king, to the father. He just went out and was going out gallivanting and doing whatever he wanted to do, which cheapens the grace of God, and he could have been lost out there completely, but he always knew, I belong to my father. So much so that when he finally came to his senses, like, shoot, I've been out here wallowing in this pigsty, I could be home sitting pretty. Be, just being a servant alone, I could be sitting pretty. I'm going to go back to my dad and ask him to make me a servant. I don't deserve to be his son. Let me humble myself. And so if you're in the kingdom, you're in the kingdom. But how? But I've said this a lot. A lot of us have such a shallow faith. A lot of us have such a shallow faith in God. Uh, and, and that we never get to really understand the depths of the knowledge and the wisdom and the love and the grace and the fellowship and the forgiveness and the and the peace of God that he wants us to have in this life. Not the life to come. I'm talking about this one. The side before glory. He wants us to know what it feels like to really have a deep, rich relationship with him. A lot of us are satisfied with a shallow faith. It's not my place to put anybody in a heaven or a hell. So if God saved you, God saved you. And if you believe in your heart that and, and, and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, according to my script, you're saved. That's God's work, not my work. So I'm not there, I'm not there getting God's get getting God's on business. But a lot of us have a very shallow faith. A super duper shallow faith. And part of the and part of the reason why we have such a shallow faith. Is because we have false teachers and false prophets that are giving us this gospel plus. Where, you know, now that God has saved us, let's go get rich. Let's go get that bag. Let's go be successful. Let's go become CEOs. Let's become heads and not tails. You know, let's go have God have our dreams come true. Because eyes haven't seen and ears haven't heard. Neither has it been entered into the heart of man the things that God have, have in store for those who love him. Let's go chase our dreams. Let's go chase our goals. He saved us so we can make our dreams come true. He saved us so that we can go get our, our, our boo. He saved us so that we can go get that, go get that bag. He saved us so we can go get that Gucci. He saved us so that we can have our wildest dreams come true. He's the missing piece to our dreams coming true. Now that we got him, let's go make our dreams come true. Now that we got him, let's work on the anxiety and work on the depression. We ain't working on sin. We're working on the symptoms. We're not working on the, the root causes. We're working on the symptoms. You know, we're, we're not working. We're not working on trying. We're not, we don't get work on our health, our physical health. No, we say God going to beat cancer. God going to beat diabetes. God going to beat, you know, um, you know, um, whatever other issues that we're dealing with. High blood pressure and hypertension. We ain't going to do exercise. We ain't going to change our diet. We're just going to pray it away. False teachers, false prophets, they tell us these things to make us feel good. But won't tell us the truth about who God is and what he came here to do, what he came here to accomplish, and how he drives out sin. Because to talk about sin is to risk numbers, is to risk dollars, is to risk their platforms. If we talk about the real issues, we, go, we risking stuff. And we can't risk the stuff. And that's again, that's, that's right here in Peter. Says it right here in Peter, in Second Peter. Let me see if I can find it again. Bold and willful, verse ten. 
they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce the blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, <clears throat> um, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction, suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For, the, for them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaped from those who live in error. That's what Second Peter is talking about. Second Peter chapter 2 is talking about. You got these false prophets out here who love... Preaching and teaching what they're preaching and teaching because they get something out of it. They gain something from it. They are able to buy whatever they want to buy or be it or influence whoever they want to influence. They get to sit at the seats of the table. They get to have, you know, they get to rub elbows with the who's who of the world. That's what Second Peter is referring to. We, the believers in God, got to be so careful that we're not allowing our flesh to drive us in the wrong direction. We are no longer regarded according to the flesh. But there are some people that will say things to us that will make us feel so good on the inside that we'll mistake the truth about God for a lie and worship creation rather than the creator. There's some really good charismatic preachers out there who are not preaching the word of God. They're not teaching the truth. They're not teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're teaching gospel plus where Jesus saves and now he gives us our wildest imaginations. That is not the gospel that we that we that we preach. That we're supposed to be preaching and teaching. Now, I am not saying to not go get a job and to not be successful and to not, you know, get a spouse and raise children. I'm not saying to not do that. Go do those things. But don't let those things be the reason that you're pursuing Jesus. That's not why we pursue Jesus. We don't pursue Jesus so we can get a better job. We don't pursue Jesus so we can get a better house. We don't pursue Jesus so that we can get a hot spouse. We don't pursue Jesus so that we can have great kids. We don't pursue Jesus so that we can have a life of luxury. That is not why we serve Jesus. If you look at just our ancestors alone, Peter, Paul, James, John, you know, most of the people of, our, of, our, of the ancient church, them boys died for the faith. They didn't sit pretty. They didn't have lavish horses and chariots and donkeys and land and all that kind of stuff. No, these, these, these dogs died broke. Broke is a joke. 
I'm not saying we need to go be broke. I'm, that's not what I'm saying. Hear me clear. But I'm saying they didn't care about what they had. Paul said to himself, whether I have plenty or whether I'm in want, I know how to be content because I got Jesus. Pursuing Jesus is about pursuing Jesus. He becomes the most important thing in our lives, the greatest treasure we could ever possess. Like the person who found a pearl in the middle of the field, he sold everything he had to get the field and the pearl. Could have easily taken the pearl and gone somewhere, but he was like, nah, man, this pearl is too precious. I need a whole land with it. Sold everything he had. Like the person who found the great treasure in a basement, sold everything he had so he can have that treasure that was in the basement. That's how God wants us to have a relationship with him. And only he can give that to us. Has to transform the heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. He wants us to desire him in that same way. But you have a lot of false prophets and a lot of false teachers who are not teaching that. Especially in today's generation where we are so desperate to be better than somebody else or to have, you know, amass wealth or to get out of poverty or to, you know, look like the people on TV. You know, we want so bad to look like our celebrities and look like you know, the, 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 the rap artists and the hip hop artists and get the BBLs and, you know, have, and have the golds in the mouth and be able to live lavish lives and fly private jets and get on boats and be in Dubai and, 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 and um, you know, the United Arab Emirates and go all these different exotic places every day. Like, like we want, we want to live the highlight reel every single day. Thank you, legend. I appreciate that. We want to live the lavish life every single day, and we want God to endorse it. We want God to give us that. God, I worshiped you. I prayed to you. I praised you. I went to church. I read my Bible. I did this. I did everything right. Give me my stuff. We want God to make us look like the Instagram models that are on, that are in every hotel, that are in, that are all over on social media, living the living their best life. Not asking ourselves, what did it cost for them to, to, for them to live the good life that we want so badly? Not asking ourselves the question, what did they have to sacrifice in order to be where they're at? And so, again, I'm not saying that, that we shouldn't pursue those things, but the pursuit of those things should never supersede the pursuit of Jesus. Because you got a lot of janitors who've been janitors their whole lives, but their relationship with God is so deep that the riches that they have are riches in glory, the riches from heaven, the peace, the joy, the love, the patience, the self-control, the, the kindness, the meekness, you know, the perseverance, the zeal. Those are the riches from God that he pours into us freely. And we can revel in those, whether we got a whether we got a dime to our name or whether we got a bunch of zeros in the account. But if we're not careful, these false prophets will turn us away from the thing that satisfies the soul. We'll turn towards something completely different, and as a result of turning to something completely different, we'll end up missing Christ. And as it says, it'd be better if we just never knew Christ at all. 
Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 13. And with this, I'm going I'm to um, wrap, this, wrap this segment up. This is a great question, by the way. Incredible question. Matthew chapter 13, verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. That is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. When tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So for any of us who may have been deceived by faulty doctrine, our God is so good that any one of those grounds can turn into fertile ground. God just has to till that land. In several different places that I've moved, moved from, that my wife and I have moved from, every time we left the place that we were that we were living in we would leave the ground better the, the in terms of like the actual ground the backyard front yard and all that better than how we left than how we how we how it was when we arrived we splotches everywhere hard soil nothing growing on it no grass growing you know very difficult land it's, i mean just straight up it feels like you're walking on um walking on turf it used to be so bad the, when it rained, like the the water would not go anywhere. It would literally sit in the backyard. And, you know, and we couldn't walk out there for days. And so you're talking about trying to take the trash out, all that type of stuff. You're literally walking in mud. We had to go get boots, literally, to be able to walk into the backyard to go do what we needed to do. After a certain point in time, we're mowing the ground and we're, you know, we're raking the ground and we're been with, and not even trying. We're just doing what we do. We're mowing the ground. We're, we're moving things around. We're making, we're shifting the ground a little bit at a time. And the following year, all of a sudden, the ground, grass is growing in places that it never grew before. You know, the, the, water, the ground can actually hold water now. So that when it rains, the, the water's actually getting into the ground rather than sitting on top of it. We can actually walk outside after a rainy day because the ground is now fertile enough to be able to hold water. And in holding the water, the grass is growing. The flowers are growing. Everything's blooming much better than it ever had before. And again, every time we left one place, we would leave the ground better than how it was when we first got there. The next place we get to, ground is a mess. We do what we normally do, and suddenly the ground would be so fertile that, you know, all sorts of kind of stuff is growing in it. You know, and again, that is what God does for us. He's constantly tilling the ground of our hearts, busting that heart wide open. When he turns that heart of stone into heart of flesh, he is tilling the earth 
of our hearts so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can grow. That the spirit can grow. That love can grow. That peace can grow. That um, perseverance can grow. Endurance can grow. Long-suffering can grow. Patience can grow. Kindness can grow. Meekness can grow. Gentleness can grow. Self-control can grow in our hearts by virtue of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. So even if we are deceived by some messages out there, God is always trying to send us some messages to tell us, hey, you're walking in the wrong direction. Hey, that ain't me. We just have to have the eyes to see it and a heart to receive it. Because sometimes we can be so caught up in what we want in this world that even when God is staring us dead in the face, we can't see him. Because he don't look like what I want him to look like. I want God to give me money. I want God to give me, you know, prosperity. I want God to give me a, a hot smoking wife. I want him to give me a six-pack ab husband. I want him to give me my kids. You know, I deserve, I'm owed. I deserve my kids. I deserve my house. I deserve my car. Can I bust that bubble? We deserve death. That's what we deserve. So anything that God gives us is a gift. Even our own salvation is not of, it's not of ours. It's a gift from the it's a gift from the Almighty God. And so we will be wise to not fall for the hype. It's easy to. I'm not it's not I'm not going to front. It's easy to, especially when we're struggling, it's easy to fall for the hype. It is. And like I tell y'all all the time, if you're going to ask anybody for anything, ask God. Ask him. Don't be afraid to ask him. But always have a heart's posture. Even if you don't say the words, have a heart's posture of let your will be done. For I know that all things work together for God's good. Not what I think is good. Because there is a difference between the two. We want God to work it out for my good. But my good might not be God's good. And in order for God's good to be good, we sometimes have to go through some pain points. So again, saying all that to say. That's what Second Peter chapter 2 is referring to. Hope I didn't take forever today to explain it. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I want to thank you guys for the 1,500 likes. I want to thank you for the gifts that we have received. I want to thank you guys for your continued viewership and your participation in the chat box. Really appreciate y'all from the bottom of my heart. Going to jump down into these comments some more and see what um, <clears throat> kinds of questions y'all have been asking in here. Um, let's see what we got. Um, Darth Nuga asked, can I answer a question? I can. Um, if you if you put it down in the chat box, I might not get to it today. Um, I might not get to it today. Um, let's see. Uh, Louisa said, I need a moderator. Nah, man, listen, let the people come in here and say what they want to say. I ain't worried about them. 
I'm not worried about them. It is all good. Cold essence, what made you choose this path? That's a good question. Let me get down in my little question box. Write that one down. What made me choose this path? Farmers planting God's seeds. Colossians 3, 23, 24. Amen. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Um, okay. All right. Um, let's see. Darth Nuga, if you're still there, I'm willing to answer a question if you if you want to put it in the chat box. Might just might not get to it today because I'm actually behind on a lot of the questions that y'all have been asking. I don't know if you can see this. There we go. Yeah, y'all asked a whole bunch of questions, so I'm trying to I'm, I'm sifting through all of them um, to get to them. But keep asking them. That's the whole point of the exercise. Um, keep asking the questions. Um, so there are some people. Um, in the chat box um, that have made mention of the fact that, you know, that I am, you know, teaching a white man's religion. Um, and in doing so, that I am discrediting or discounting my own race. Um, and it was interesting that that comment came up uh, because I was listening to um, uh, a podcast and the people on there were talking about the fact that, you know, when we, um, when we give our lives over to Jesus Christ, Jesus becomes what supersedes everything else. That it doesn't take away my ethnicity, doesn't take away, doesn't take away anybody's ethnicity, you know, and so, um, it doesn't take away our ethnicity, but if our ethnicity comes before God and becomes and goes before our faith in any way, then we are in turn showing what it is that we truly worship. Um, I was talking to my wife yesterday and I was telling her that, you know, that, you know, that there's a discomfort in both places of the church of the, of the churches that are here in town. And I found myself trying to find a different way to describe the different churches that we have attended because I myself don't like calling white churches, white churches and black churches, black churches. But I found I, I couldn't find the words to describe what it was that I was trying to explain in the midst of the conversation that I was having with her so much so that I got so flustered in the conversation that once she did her thing and, 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 um, and what, what's the word I'm looking for? She countered, she countered, there it is, countered what I said. I gave up on the conversation altogether because at that point I no longer could find the words to try to explain what I was saying. And I couldn't, I couldn't take myself through the mental exercise anymore. 
Um, and I realized in that moment, or at least I thought, I think, I think I realized in that morning, in that moment, that I was doing the exact thing that we find ourselves doing a lot of, which causes a lot of division amongst the saints, especially here in America, but all around the world. Our tendency is to dissect God and to turn him into a race, to turn him into an ethnicity. And in turning him into an ethnicity, we either are for him or against him based upon what we look like. We forget the context by which Jesus was brought up, what he grew, what he grew up in. One, two, we for, we we completely just dismiss the essence of who Christ is altogether. Second Corinthians. Y'all y'all know I stay I stay in some Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse seventeen. Now the Lord is the Spirit. That's it. That's it. And then we go back to chapter 5, verse 16. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Our tendency as people is to look at Jesus through the lens of our culture. We tend to see him according to what appeals to us. So for people who can't stand another race, they will lump Jesus into a category and decide to either rock, either rock with him or not rock with him based upon their hatred toward another people. Or their love for their own. How many times have we heard people say, Jesus is black? How many times have we heard people say, you're teaching a white man's religion? And they're, I mean, they, they, they are steeped in that. They, they've drawn a line in the sand with that. Like, you are teaching a white man's religion. Or, Jesus ain't white, he's black. He don't belong to y'all, he belong to us. Make that make sense. Make it make sense. Because according to our scriptures, according to the God that we serve, I'm talking to us believers, so y'all look right at me. Get out the comment section and look right at me. I'm talking about our God, the one of the scriptures. He tells us, when you're in Christ, there is no black, white. There is no rich, poor. There is no king, slave Christ is in all he is through all he is for all and he is drawing all nations all a l l all nations to him all of them black white if you want to get technical, African, African-American, Eurocentric, 
you know, Germ Germanic, French, Spanish, Dutch, English, Finnish, Czech, Russian, Chinese, Japanese, Malaysian, Australian, Nigerian, Ethiopian, Kenyan, Egyptian, Sierra Leonean, Argentinian, Brazilian, Mexican, Dominican, Haitian, American, Canadian. He's calling all nations to him. All of them. And our problem as believers is that we want so badly, some of us, so badly for God to look like us that we will exclude people. Because God is for us. And we'll denounce God because we say God is for them. When scripture tells us the exact opposite of both. God is for all. When Peter was given the vision of the food that he saw, he saw was he thought was unclean. And God said, "Don't call what I call clean unclean. Eat." Woke up from the vision. He's like, "Oh man, I don't know what that was about." Cornelius comes and gets him and brings him over to the house. He sees all these people that are of different races, different you know backgrounds. And Paul is like, but Peter's like, oh, 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 man, let me tell y'all what happened. So like, I was having a vision from the Lord, right? I was asleep and I had a vision from the Lord and he fed me with some food that I thought was unclean. I was like, no, I can't eat this. It's unclean. And God was like, don't call what's unclean clean. And I didn't know what he was talking about. But now that I'm here, I see God's trying to say, all nations. He told us. He told us that when he before he ascended in heaven, he said, "Go ye therefore and you know and and make disciples of all nations." I get it now. I get it. Now, mind you, he ungot it, and that's why Paul had to chastise him in the book of Galatians with the, in the letter that he wrote to the Galatian church. But he got it. All nations. That Jesus wasn't just the the Jesus of the Jews. He was the Jesus of the Gentiles. We, everybody else, is the Gentiles. All of us, the rest of us are the Gentile nations. But our tendency is to, with faulty lenses, decide that ain't that ain't for me. That's the white man religion. You saw how he how he how he how they did the slaves. How I'm how am I gonna be how am I gonna worship the God of the slave masters? Have you ever stopped to think that maybe they weren't worshiping God? Have you ever stopped to think that maybe the religion that they were worshiping was a religion that they made up and ripped scriptures to do it? That maybe Jesus and the faith go further back than 1619? 
for us who want to hold on so badly to Jesus, I'm talking my my people, my black people, want to hold on so tightly to Jesus, we're worshiping the right one. Have you ever stopped and considered that maybe, just maybe, our religion goes further back than 1865? That just because your church is the oldest church in the city doesn't mean that your God is as old as you are? That maybe he goes further back than that? And maybe he's touched more people than just your people. We divide ourselves up. And I'm talking to believers. I ain't talking to the unbelievers. I'm talking to us believers. We divide ourselves so much that we get into debates of which church should I attend based upon whether it's black or white. And have a dichotomy of what it means to be a black church versus a white church. And we never stop and ask the question, which church is, pre is preaching the gospel? And I'm talking to myself today. I'm talking to myself today. And I see, I see uh, my wife up there. I see, like, I, love how they, I love how they put your picture up there, by the way, to let me know that you're there. Because I love that. I just love that you're there. So, at any rate, like, I'm having this conversation with myself. It's not about which church can make you happy. It's about which church is going to teach you the truth. Which one's actually preaching and teaching the gospel. Now, be led by God. No doubt about that. Go where God leads you. But don't let your leading be based upon the goosebumps that you feel. Because sometimes the preacher can preach a word and that word makes you sit down and think. Like, you know what? You know what he 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 on one today. He he, he tapped ass all over my dog on heart this morning, boy. I just yikes. All right, let's let's run this next week though. Let's run it next week. Like that's where we as believers can sometimes miss Jesus because we want so badly to feel at home, not realizing that feeling at home. Is sometimes a matter of flesh and not a matter of the soul. Where is your soul going to grow? Where is your soul going to feel the draw of the Lord? It's all well and good to feel good and get happy at the church. But if your soul ain't anchored in Jesus and all you're doing is just titillating the flesh, then what are you doing it for? And if you're titillating the flesh is simply a matter of, I want to be among my people, then what we're saying is, my people ain't based on, woo! My people ain't based on Jesus. My people is based on race. My people is based on socioeconomic status. You have some people who will join churches because that's where the mayor's at. That's where the city officials are at. That's where the money ballers are at. That's where the, 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 the drivers of the city are. That's where the keys to the city are. So I'm going to go where they go. So I can rub elbows up against them. The, that's where the pastor who pastors pastors goes. So I'm going to go where he's at so I can get up under him. I can sit up under him. We're not looking for Jesus. We're looking for my people. When Jesus said, all Christians are your people. They're supposed to be. All of them are supposed to be your people. So, what's up? Why are we allowing our 
flesh to dictate where we attend, to dictate who we follow, to dictate who we serve. Our flesh should not be the driver. For the unbeliever, they're not gonna get this. They're not gonna, it's not gonna make sense to them. So I'm not. I'm not really. I'm not addressing them, even though they are part of this conversation. But I'm addressing us as believers. Why are we allowing our flesh to drive and dictate what we do? And as a black man, I can honestly say I know more white people who know the gospel and are living the gospel than a lot of black people that I that I that I that I live that I live around and talk to and deal with on a regular basis. A lot of my, a lot of my a lot of my folk prosperity gospel 100% downtown prosperity gospel downtown um legalism downtown you got to work your way into the kingdom. Now there's some you know some white folk who feel the same way, some Chinese people who feel the same way, but they're very few and far between compared. And who are we gonna blame for that? Because we're free now. <laughs> we 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 and when I'm talking about freedom, I'm not talking about the slavery part. I'm talking about the fact that you can learn everything there is to know about Jesus much more readily than any than any. In, than in any other time in human history. You can know more about Jesus now than you ever have. It's too much access to not know who he is at this point. But again, you got a lot of people who like what they like, love what they love, feel how they feel, and to be challenged on that is sometimes to serve a different God. And sometimes that challenge comes in the form of black Jesus, white man's religion. If you're putting a if you're putting a a description, a descriptive, an adjective in front of faith, in front of, you know, Jesus, in front of, you know, church then that shows what you're truly worshiping. And I probably, I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for that, but you got to call a spade a spade. And let me and let me be clear, this ain't an original thought. <laughs> this is straight from the podcast after y'all brought this up a lot. And so I'm not I'm so I don't take credit for the thought, but I do but I do, you know, you know, push Christ's agenda, which is to tell us we're all one people in God. Definitely have our ethnicities without question, and we speak truth to our ethnicities. You know, we're not, those things aren't taken away, but they should never supersede Jesus. Jesus comes first. Jesus comes first. Thank you, Idy. I appreciate that. Jesus comes first. If not for Jesus, then we're all doomed. No matter what race, creed, color we are. Without Jesus, we're all doomed. We all have the same, oh my gosh, we all got the same things in common. 
regardless of what race we're in, if you ain't got Jesus, you're doomed. And if you have him, you're free. Free from the penalty of sin and death. All of us got that same issue in common. And all of us got the same solution in common. That should be the foundation from which we stand. Not whether I'm black or white. Or Asian or Latin, Latinx or, you know, whatever. Embrace your ethnicity. But don't let your ethnicity supersede Jesus. Jesus broke the barriers that we always, always putting back up. Every time he breaks a barrier, we're putting it back up. The same God of the Republicans is the same God of the Democrats. Same God for black folks is the same God for white folks. Same God for the Hispanics, the same God for the, for, the, for the Asians. Same God of the rich is the same God for the poor. It's the same God. And so if you find yourself in a place where you are dividing yourself because of your race or your creed or your background or your culture or what side of the tracks you grew up on, Rest in Jesus. Jesus died so that you no longer had to divide yourselves like that. And it's littered all across his word. If you just know how to look. Again, to the believers. Don't fall for the hype. Don't fall for the traps. Because it's very easy to get caught up in fleshly sensualities. And to believe that, you know... God is just for the blacks. He's not. God is just for the whites. He's not. God is just for the Hispanics. No. He's just for the rich. No. For the poor. No. He is for everybody. He desires that all of us come to repentance. With the, with the caveat, because I know somebody's going to come in here and be like, nah. with the caveat, knowing that not everybody's going to be saved. But he desires that all be saved. He desires that all be saved. And so, let us walk in that light. And stop trying so hard to make God one or the other. Because the God that we serve said that he loved the world. The world. Everybody in it. The world, past, present, future, every culture, every creed, every background, every ethnicity, every skin color, every skin tone, every height, every depth, male, female. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. But that through him, the world might be saved. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with y'all Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you so much for the 1,600 likes. Thank you for the gifts that you've given on today. Thank you so much for 
uh, your viewership. Thank you for the follows and thank you for the shares as well. Thank you also for the comments. I really do appreciate y'all from the bottom of my heart. And I hope that you guys are having a fantastic day in the name of the Lord. Um, let's see. Um, I have not heard of the book Great Schism, but I am going to write it down. I'm going to look that up. Um, by David Anderson. <coughs> Writing that down right now. Oh, y'all so sweet. Soon as the snake talks to Eve, you are supposed to trash to okay. What's up, Liberty? Ain't seen you in a minute. How you been doing? Any man oh, okay. Yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. Let's see. Okay, so as promised, I said I was going to figure out what this whole synoptic problem is. But somebody said, well, "Do you do you know what's? Do you have a uh, something to say about the synoptic problem?" So let me figure out what it is. What is the synoptic problem? Okay. Let's see. So, let's do some reading. I am reading from Oxford Bibliographies um dot com. Um and this is written by John S. Kloppenberg back in um September 13th, 2010. He says, The synoptic problem is the problem of the literary relationships, and I can't see, so I need to zoom in on this, because golly, this is so little. Boom, 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 boom. There we go. I can see now. Woo! The synoptic problem is the problem of literary relationships among the first three synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called synoptic gospels because they can be seen together sin optic and displayed in three parallel columns the three gospels contain many of the same stories and sayings often related in the same relative sequence however there are also important differences in the wording of individual stories and sayings in the ordering of some materials and in the overall extent of each gospel 
In some instances, the degree of verbatim agreement or the sequential agreement in the arrangement of episodes and sayings is so strong that one must posit some t kind of literary relationship among the Gospels. By contrast, there are often marked differences in wording between any two Gospels and sometimes among all three. This raises several questions. One, is the relationship among the three Gospels a matter of direct literary dependence? Indirect dependence mediated through oral performances or written text or common dependence on oral information. Two, can the direction of dependence be established? Three, can a genealogy of the development of the synoptic gospels be constructed? All right. So, in a nutshell, this man is basically saying that um, based on literary analysis, um, there are some market differences between each gospel, right? And because of that, one may wonder whether or not these stories are actually, or the, 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 the Gospels are actually accurate, because you have three different accounts of the same story. So I'm going to get technical, and then I'm going to get straight up, like, I'm going to go ham in the name of the Lord. You see my eye twitching. One, these are historical narratives they're historical narratives which means that they are based in history but they are told by a singular person this is the gospel of Jesus Christ according to whoo. if you go to the very beginning of Matthew. In your Bibles. Before you even read the first verse. Just read the title. Read the title. The Gospel According to Who? Matthew. Okay? Now. Let's skip over to Mark. What does it say at the top? The gospel according to Mark. According to who? Mark. Okay. All right. Now, let's go over to Luke. The gospel according to who? Luke. Now, I'm going to do one better. You know, because, you know, I don't mind doing it. Might as well, right? The gospel, according to who? John. We allow little stuff like this to block us from connection and communion with God. Of course, they're going to have differences. It's four different freaking people. Four people can look at the same freaking thing and get different accounts of what happened. Four freaking people. 
it's good enough to get two people to agree on the same thing happening the same exact way. Just look at our political system today. You got Republicans and Democrats, Independents, Green, all that. You can't get a Republican and a Democrat to look at what happened on um on, on, in in twenty twenty in twenty twenty one. January 6th, 2021, you can't get a Republican and a Democrat to agree on what happened that day. And we were all watching the same freaking TV, the same freaking news channels, the same freaking people giving us an account of what was happening on the ground that day. And you still got Republicans to this day who will argue to you blue in the face to say that ain't what happened. Got Republicans right now that are sitting in the chambers that will swear to they blue in the face, January 6th didn't happen. That none of the events that took place happened. That none of the camera footage that was caught happened. All that, all of that, and I almost cussed. All that was fake. You can't get two people to agree on the same freaking footage. And that's just two people. You got four folk who, yes, they got some of the things, you know, out of order or, you know, some of the wording was different from here to another. But the, the connection and the gist and the understanding that they all had is uncanny for four people. Four people. But we want everything to be so perfect and so pristine in this Bible. No contradictions. That we going to miss Jesus. Over being perfect. Somebody said this one day. Somebody said this. They said... In the court of law, it's it, 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 on the, on the preponderance of evidence, you want to prove your case. And if you get about, say, five or six things right, and there might be some inaccuracies, you know, in other areas, but if you get about five or six things pretty jam tight, you, you can pretty much prove your case for the most part if you ain't bought nobody off. Jesus was prophesied, prophesied all throughout Old Testament. And at every point of the Old Testament in which he was prophesied, he was dead on the living embodiment of the prophecies. Every single point. And there's, there's, I don't know how many points there are. I can look it up real quick, but I, you know what? How many prophecies did Jesus... Woo! Look at this, Look at it. 324 is the count. 324. And he got all of them right. All of them. And he got all of them right in four Gospels told by four different people. 
we get tripped up over the smallest little things. See, that's why I don't believe in Jesus now. Because how could four people get it right? You see, they see if you go to Matthew, it says this. But if you go to Mark, it says this. But if you go to Luke, it says this. So it must mean that Jesus ain't real. Because if they if it was real, then they would have got it perfect. How? It's four people. A historical narrative. Means I'm sitting down one day or over the course of several days trying to write down everything I can remember about Jesus in the order that I remember them. Of course I'm going to get stuff wrong. Of course I'm not going to get it completely accurate. It's a historical narrative. It's like I'm reading the diary of Matthew. Come on, man. This isn't a scientific endeavor. This is faith. And a historical narrative is such to where I'm writing down what I remember. And you gotta walk, you gotta walk on faith with that. But thanks be to God that there were three other people uh, outside of Matthew who got the who got the narrative right, so that we can see it wasn't just Matthew, it wasn't just Mark, Luke, and John had something to say too. And yes, there are others that are out there. And when they went and tried to canonize the thing, they said that this one's more accurate than this one because this one was written at this time compared to this one that was written, you know, maybe a century or two later, which makes no sense because it's written a century or two later. Then how did this person actually write it? Because they couldn't have lived and, you know, in 200 when they were living in zero. Like, you, you, you that doesn't make sense. And so you got some of the Gospels that are out there, sure, but those Gospels are inaccurate based upon certain things. But we got four of them. And thanks be to God, we got four of them, and four of them line up enough with the things that matter that we can say bona fide, this is the Christ, the Son of the living God, through whom the Holy Spirit brings these Gospels to life. It's a historical narrative. Of course it's not going to get everything perfect. You don't know, you, you can't give us an accurate depiction of what happened to you yesterday. That's factual. You can only give us a historical account, a historical narrative of what happened to you yesterday. And someone can easily come along and say, I was there. And either prove or disprove what you're saying. It's a historical narrative. Get over yourselves. Get over yourselves. I, there, there is no synoptic problem. A historical narrative is supposed to be a historical narrative. You're not seeing a bunch of facts and figures in a historical narrative. You're seeing someone who sat down long enough to write down everything that he could remember about who Jesus was in, chrono in chronological order as best as he could help it. That's the whole point of a historical narrative. I bet you if we opened up some of your diary entries and looked at the historical narrative of your life, you've got some inaccuracies in there too. Some things didn't line up just the way that they happened. But it doesn't take away the gist of what happened. 
And if you're willing to accept the narrative of someone who is outright lying to you because you believe him, that's my president. That's my representative. If we out here believe in everything that Cardi B and Beyonce and all of them are saying, we believe them and their historical narratives, everything that they say, I'm, I'm, I'm a Swifty. She wants to believe in football. Well, I'm going to believe in the Kansas City Chiefs too now because she believes in them, so I believe in them too. How much more should we believe our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when he says that the Holy, that the, the scriptures are the breathed living word of God? I'm talking to believers. So again, get over yourselves. Like, it's a historical narrative. The Gospels are historical narratives. So of course, these boys are not going to get everything right and perfect and in sync because these are old men who are trying the best they can to remember everything at an old age you know how hard it is for old people to remember stuff come on man that's hard it's hard for me and i'm freaking 38 it's hard to remember everything with accuracy with pinpoint accuracy that's hard why I need tape recorders now. That's why I need, you know, can you imagine? So by the, by the grace of God, these men had enough sense. Let me write this stuff down. Let me write it. Heaven forbid. And that's what, that's why, again, I say this till I'm blue in the face. Don't get caught up in arguments with unbelievers, believers. Because unless they genuinely want to know the God that we serve, all they want to do is argue. And so they find their points to help bolster their arguments and then fight tooth and nail to prove us wrong. Don't get caught up in that stuff. Because at the end of the day, it's not going to do you any good because they've already made up their minds that they don't want to have a relationship with Jesus and nothing that you can say is going to convince them otherwise like I can sit here again and say these jokers Matthew, Mark, Luke and John the historical narratives they literally they were literally reading their diaries they don't care they don't care It's not an aha moment for them. Oh, okay, that makes sense now. Yeah, if we are reading their journals, then, yeah, of course, you know, they're going to get some things. They're going to miss some things. Because I know, you know, it's hard for me to remember what happens to me when I'm writing in my journal or when I'm trying to remember how this, that, and third happened. Yeah, okay, I, I get that. That makes sense to me. Instead, it's, no, 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 no. So, ain't no sense to get in an argument with them. No sense. No point. So, don't. Let them have it. And we're going to be all right. For at the end of the day, not going to get into an argument with anybody. At this point. Like, you can talk to me one-on-one. 
follow me, I'll follow you back, we can talk. But I'm not going, especially not here on the show. I'm not going to do that. And so again, that's why again, I say what I say. Like, you got, we as believers, you got to know your word. You got to know your history. Because if you don't know your word and you don't know your history, something like the synoptic problem can trip you up. It can make you think with a plausible argument, maybe God ain't real. So you got, we got to know our word and we got to know our history. Know our word and know our history. You need to know how your Bible was constructed. You need to know what these texts are. You need to know what these things mean. You need to know the difference between a historical narrative and a prophecy. You need to know the difference between... <clears throat> Between poetry and wisdom and revelation and um in 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 prophetic word, you need to know the difference between you know again you know history, you know we need to know that because if we don't, then we'll let things like this trip us up. We need to know this that that you know Paul's letters are literally letters, literally letters that were addressing specific people dealing with specific problems at specific points in time in specific places. We need to know that because if we know that it makes it easier to deal with the challenges, not so that we can prove people wrong and prove ourselves right, but so that we don't get caught up believing in, in false doctrines. We don't get caught up be believing in something that we should not believe in. We got to be careful for our soul's sake. It's not about proving people wrong. It's not about proving people superior. It's about making sure that we stay firm on the gospel of Jesus Christ and don't allow anybody to turn us away from what we know to be true. So you got to know your word and you got to know your history. Know your word, know your history so that things like this don't trip us up because it makes sense. Unless you know your history and you know your word. We can denounce and lay under submission of the feet of Jesus. Cast down any argument. Matter of fact, I'm going to read this and then I'm going to leave you all alone. 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 For though we walk in the flesh we are not waging war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete and that's the benediction.
You've been watching the True Gospel Morning Show right here on, on TikTok Live. I thank y'all so much for the 1,700 likes that we received today. I thank you for your comments. I thank you for your gifts on today. I thank you for the follows. I thank you for the shares. I thank y'all so, so much from the bottom of my heart. You guys don't know how much this means to me. Thank you for every commenter on that came on today. Uh, we love you guys to life. Um, I've gotten a lot of questions that we're going to be answering over the course of the next uh, few days. Thank you, Jeff Toma, for we appreciate you for those gifts. Um, and again, we thank y'all so, so much for just, you know, loving on us the way that you have, loving on this ministry the way that you have. Uh, we're thankful for everything that you guys have done and thankful that you spent enough time, well, spend a little bit of your time with me today. Like I always say, y'all could be watching anybody else do anything else on this platform. So to spend a little bit of time with me, I do not take it for granted. I do not take it lightly. And I greatly appreciate y'all from the bottom of my heart. Um, if you if you got enough time, stay with us here for overtime. But otherwise, if you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies.